When you are going through tough times, you need relationships. Amen. My sister's right here. You know, they, they, their husbands went to be with Jesus, and I can't wait to go and be with Jesus myself. But you know what? God is strengthening them, and the relationships of this church has helped them. Yes. It's so important that we have relationships, and it's so important that we build relationships. And, and, and too many times, we, you know, the devil will separate you out and, and put you uh, by yourself, and, and you know, he, he wants to tear you up, but we're going we're gonna, to, here's the foundation, and before I do that, let me, let me tell a story. I mean, the Spirit of God's stirring stuff today, and <clears throat> so I grew up in the country, country boy, and uh, went to hang out with these five buddies of mine, and we all gathered up, and they had this old barn, and it was a cool corral at the barn, and the crowd made a pretty good circle, and then there was no gate on there, and, and I may have told this story, but we we got this young bull and put it in the corral, nailed up a tube of 12, and yeah, we roped that sucker, and we pulled him up with the post and got him up, and the, you know, it's like, it, you know, if you ever seen a video, say, hey, y'all watch this. This is the type of video it was. This is the type of story. And so, but there's a meaning to this. Jesus told stories to bring spiritual things, and so we pulled that bull up, and he wasn't full grown, but he was big enough, okay? And... uh Got that bull pulled up, and this boy said, I'm first. And he got on that bull, and we let him go. It was one buck. And I know if he went up 10 feet, he went 15. And we were all like that with our mouth open. And the bull takes and hits that tube of 12, and it was nothing but a toothpick. He shattered that, and he's going across. He starts taking off. Well, the youngest one was probably 60 pounds, soaking wet. He grabs a rope. He's, it's just like you see on TV. He's going across the pasture through the briars, through the mud, across the pond. I mean, he's still hanging on. Hang on, they're yelling, hang on. Goes across the other side of the pond, and we're all running. And Vanny just couldn't hang on, which he couldn't stop that bull. That bull wasn't even slowing down. He was skint from head to toe, covered in mud, scraped up. How many of you are holding on to things that have scraped you up and you won't let it go? Hmm? How many of you are holding on to past relationships that skint you and scraped you up and it's time to let it go? Man, we should have, he should have never grabbed a hold of the rope, but you know what? We grab a hold of things and we don't let go and, and we carry it. Remember when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two? Go into this town, go into that town, and if they don't receive you, anybody ever been rejected other than me? Dust that off. Don't carry that with you. Don't let that rejection stop you. You need relationship. Just because somebody re rejected you, that's okay. These people over here are going to love me. But you know what? Even if they don't, God loves me. And so we're going to dig into this, and it's time to let some of the stuff go. And there's so many things to talk about when we do this, but I'm, Foundation Scriptures, Revelation 4.11. And we're talking about relationships, and this may seem like an odd scripture. It says, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, and you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. I believe God created this earth, and God, Jesus is coming back. He's going to redeem the earth. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Everything that we've done to jack up this planet, he's going to make it right. Everything sin has done to mess this planet up, Jesus is going to make it right. 
But most importantly, he came to set us free too. And God created the person that you can't stand for his glory. Nah, boy, I'm going to have to preach this way, you know, huh? Even the people you don't like, he created them. He shed his blood for them. We're going to get real because it's, it's this heart. Why am I talking about this in church? Do we love everybody here, Pastor? Yeah, I hope. No. You have to deal with your flesh and you have to deal with other people's flesh too. But you got to remind yourself that God loves them as much as he loves you. God loves people. And God loves you. And God's not going to squash you so somebody else can rise up. No. And you're not going to be jealous if God does cause somebody to rise up and they get a new car. They get something that you've been believing God for. God's not a respecter of persons. But some people get things because they get in line with God quicker than we do. You ever thought about that? Relationships. Can be good, can be bad. We're going to talk about this. We're going to lay a little foundation, and we're going to talk about it. But you got to remember that everybody was created by God for his glory, and God loves them. And the blood of Jesus is enough, was enough to save everybody in the past. I'm talking Hitler, Mussolini, anybody you think, man, they were horrible. But Jesus shed his blood for them as well. And it was more enough to forgive them. You know, so, so let, let, let's dig into this. Uh, number one, it starts with you. Relationship starts with you. You want a better husband, be a better wife. You want a better wife, be a better husband. You want good friends, be a good friend. You can't leech off everybody and then just then vomit on them. You got to be a good friend to have good friends. You got to be, you got to, you know, did Jesus not sacrifice for us? He said, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Come on, being friends, you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit. Not everybody sacrificed for you. Just, I'm going to throw out some wisdom things here and just hang on and start judging your relationships and look at things. But what happens is uh, we don't know normal. Man, America is jacked up. Your family, your husband, wife, your marriage is under attack. Your children are under attack. Somebody said the men in our church are under attack. This and that and the other. Yeah. Satan doesn't like us. He's an idiot. And he, he does not like the people of God. And he's after your relationship. He's after your friendship. He's trying to separate you out where you can go live in a cave It'd be a whole lot easier if I just lived in a cave. Put my picture up there. But this is what happens when you live in a cave. He doesn't even take a bath anymore because he don't stink. He don't stink anymore. He can't even smell himself anymore. Huh? My teeth look good. He ain't looked in the mirror. He's been living in a cave his whole life. Separated from everybody. You get weird. You can't be by yourself. You get weird. I'm trying to help you. 
if you don't bounce some of the crazy stuff that goes through your mind off people and they tell you, uh, you can tell by the look on their face. Okay, that's crazy. But you know what? His crazy ideals, he's got crazy ideals and he thinks they're normal. Because he has no relationship with anybody. We have, we were made for relationships. We are the body of Christ. That's a whole nother sermon in this relationship. You don't, we're the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or the feet, I don't need you. We need one another. I don't need anybody. Well, there you are. That's you. If you say, I don't need anybody, that's you right there. Look in the mirror. Yeah, nobody tell you your breath stinks. Nobody tell you you need to take a bath. Nobody tell you one hair is all messed up. I'm just saying. This is what happens when we separate ourselves out. When God's called us to be in community, God's called us to have a relationship with people. And you know what? He hadn't led anybody to Jesus. And his love has not even been shared with anybody. Come on, God's called us in relationship. We're supposed to pray for one another. We're supposed to hold up one another. We're supposed to strengthen one another. And it didn't say that we're supposed to argue with one another and we're supposed to fight with one another and we're supposed to be mean to one another. Okay. In Galatians 5.22, we talk about this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there is no law. And those... And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Don't sit there and say you had never had a passion to slap somebody. You know, that's your flesh trying to help you. If you want to know what else is your flesh, you want to learn how to discern your flesh from your spirit, there's a hill going up to the upper building up there. Run up that hill after church. Your flesh will talk to you. Oh, your side starts hurting you like I hadn't, I, I can't, I, what am I doing? Just walking that hill, your body's saying, turn around, turn around, turn around, go get in the vehicle and go home and take a nap. <laughs> Eat some ice cream because you have just, you are crazy walking up this hill. That's a steep hill. That's your flesh. Your flesh is, is what you, you get angry, you get mad, it comes out of your flesh. And so, so we look at these things and it says, uh, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit in verse 25. In verse 26, it said, let us not be conceited or self-centered. If it's all about you, <clears throat> we're supposed to uh, uh, not be self-centered, provoking one another or envying one another. If you know church history and turn of the century, there's a gentleman that was a revivalist in England. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. And then they argued. He raised people from the dead. Just, just crazy stuff. And he didn't go five, ten minutes, and he was in the, oh, you know, oh, oh, we're in the middle of a conversation. What you going to eat for lunch? Hold on. Let's read this passage first. I mean, he stayed in the Word. He sought God. But before he got saved, he was a plumber, and he was the meanest man in town. And his wife went to a church meeting, got saved, and they were having revival all week. And she goes, I'm going to church tonight. And he goes, you don't need to be going out to church. And probably blanket blank and all that stuff. And so the next night, you know, uh, she said, I'm going back to church. He goes, you go to that church, I'm going to lock you out. And he locked the door on her and went to bed and went to sleep. Locked her out. 
He woke up the next morning and thought, oh my goodness, I locked her out. And he ran down and he opened the door and pulled the door open and she fell in to the kitchen. Now, if that was us, we'd have come up with a few words and, you know, jabbing this and that and the other. Can't believe you locked me out. I can't believe you. This is my house as much as it is yours. We want to defend ourselves, don't we? That's our flesh. She rolled into the kitchen, jumped up, and said, Good morning, Smith. What do you want for breakfast? He got saved in 10 days. Couldn't stand it. The Spirit of God got on him. And because she loved him no matter what, instead of, ah, 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 you know, that's what, that's what our flesh wants to do. And I'm preaching to myself, this sermon's for me. My, I start, I've been meditating on this sermon since January 1st. <laughs> and we all deal with our flesh. You know, we'd like to say, I ought to have done that too. <laughs> no, it just depends on what, you know, what had been happening, you know, that day. She slept outside all night, and, you know, I don't care if summertime gets cold outside and when the dew falls. I don't know about you, but I've slept out on the solid straight ground, and it gets cold in, in the middle of summertime. It's really bad when a dog comes up and sticks his nose in the back of your neck. <laughs> That's another story for another time. Number two. If we're dealing with ourselves, it starts with us. We have to deal with ourselves. We have to deal with our pride and manipulation. The greatest story of pride and manipulation, probably not the greatest, but one of them in the Bible is, is Jacob. Jacob. Y'all right, so you got Abraham, you got Isaac, and Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the oldest, and Jacob was the youngest. Now, Jacob started off, man. Jacob was a manipulator. Jacob was full of pride. Jake, Jacob wanted, you know, he wanted his brother's birthright and got it. But if you look at spell pride, P-R-I-D-E, pride, P-R-I-D-E. It's all about you. It's pride. And pride will have you manipulate circumstances so you'll look good or you'll get the front of the class or you'll do this or that or the other. You'll, you'll work on your pride. Or we'll work at work. But look at Jacob. He manipulated. It was coming. It was time. His daddy was dying. And he sold. He stole his brother's birthright for a bowl of soup. His brother was a fleshly man. You ever met anybody that? We eating at 5 o'clock. Woman, I'm telling you. 5 o'clock. 5.05. I'm starving to death. Dude, you can live three days out eating. That's your flesh. I got to eat. And I've seen women like that too. That's just flesh. And he goes, man, I'm starving. Fix me something to eat. He goes, oh, sir, I'll trade you this bowl right here for your birthright. Oh, what's a birthright to me? I'm going to die. You ain't going to die. He stole his birthright. Then he went into his daddy to get his blessing. His brother was a hairy man, and he wasn't. He put wool on his arms, and he, he received a blessing. And Esau come in and said, what about me, Dad? What about me? Now, so, so notice that he begins, so he's a manipulator. He's full of pride. And he goes off, and he finds a girl he's in love with. And, and his father-in-law is a bigger manipulator and a bigger, and he tricks him. 
You reap what you sow. You got to be careful. In seven years, he didn't even get the right woman the first time. 14 years to trying to get the right woman. But he left Laban's house, left his father-in-law's house. He's coming back home, and word comes, here comes your brother with 400 men. Oh, I'm a dead man. That night, he, he gets a visitation from God, and he wrestles with God, and God changes his name to Israel. And God, he, he, he dislocated his hip, is what some say. And he walked with a limp, but he goes, me and God's right. I got this limp to remind me that me and God's right, that, that I have I've withstood. See, he hung on to God until God would bless him. You know, some say he wrestled with his brother. He wrestled with himself, getting submitted to God. And so we look at these, at, at, at people who are manipulators, you know, they need to be saved. And if you feel like, uh, if you're manipulating people to get your way, you need to get you, give that part of your life to Jesus. God hadn't called you to be a manipulator to try to trick people. How about letting God bless you? Let me just read some of these scriptures. Proverbs 13, 10, and this, is, this, is, this, is, this will help you. By pride comes nothing but strife. If your whole life is strife, you got pride. If all you do is fight with your husband or your wife or your kids go round and round, what about being the peacemaker? Let's go back to the fruits of the Spirit. If you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, who's eating that fruit? Not you. People in your life need to eat your love, your joy, your peace, your gentleness, your kindness. Man, there's a whole scripture that says, be ye kind one to another. Live that out. Kindness. Are people eating the fruit? Are they eating your bitterness? I know, this is tough. But we have to learn to love people no matter what. And we'll get to the, 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 the answer and how you can do that and why you can do that. But by pride comes strife. But with well-advised, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Even the apostle Paul, who got great revelation from God, he came back and submitted to the pastor in Jerusalem and to Peter, to James and to Peter. I've got this idea. I want to do this. He says, you know, I found this in the scripture. I'm backing this up. And he ran it by them to make sure that he was sound, make sure that what he was thinking and what God had given him, that he wanted to bounce it off somebody that, that had spiritual wisdom. Don't let that leave out of here without, you need to bounce some things off people with spiritual wisdom. If you don't, so let's just go there too. In your circle of friends, if you're the smartest one in that group, you need another group. If you're the only one, you know, if, and if everybody's coming to you and you're not going to anybody, you're, uh -uh. you got to be feeding from somebody who's smarter than you, more spiritual than you, and you've got to be pulling people up. If you're not pulling people up, you're, you, you know what? You're just, you're just fat-catting it. I mean, you, you're eating all the food and not sharing with anybody, and they're starving people all around you. 
And, and if you're not feeding on somebody else, if you don't pass by what you think, if you don't start digging out from Bible scholars, if you're if in here a preacher or, or if you want to know wisdom from somebody, go to somebody that's been in business for years, somebody that's godly and that will, that will help you. This is called relationships, spiritual relationships. Even in the natural, you need somebody with wisdom to help you run your business. And I always say, if you want to be a millionaire, you got to prepare because it'll go right through your hands like money will run right through your hands like sand. You can't even keep $10. Oh, I got $10. I found it on the ground. I went right in the store, bought $10 worth of candy. Whew, that was awesome. Well, you could have done something else a little more than candy. I mean, I dealt with that with youth growing up. Give them so much money and they spend it all in 30 minutes. Dude, that was for you to eat all week on. I rode the go-kart 45 times in two hours. Okay, my fault to giving you that, or I didn't take your money up, but your mama gave you. My, my point is, is we have to be diligent, and we need relationships to help us through life. And your best friend on drugs is not the one. Amen. Just saying. You need somebody godly in your life that you can go to, and you need to, and not just leech on them, what can I pray for you about? What can I pray for you about? Pray for me. I want to pray for you. I want your wisdom. I need you to, and then leave them alone. God didn't call you to marry somebody just because they're more spiritual than you. And don't be relying on people in relationships that your husband's supposed to do or your wife's supposed to do. What your husband or wife's supposed to be. I know, I know I'm trying to keep it right here, y'all, but help me. So, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Look at Jacob. Jacob went down to, to and, and worked for Laban, and Laban tricked him, tricked him, tricked him. He was a trickster. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. Everything you try to exalt yourself to do, it, it could crumble. But what God takes you up and takes you to the level, you know God did it. doesn't matter if it crumbles or not. I can just go back and get it again because God, I'm just seek, I stand with God. He's your helper. He's your source. He's your strength. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6, it says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, that's sin, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. Man, somebody push your button and you ain't endured. I endured that for two seconds and I'm through. You didn't endure nothing. You're in the line of McDonald's, and you can't stand it. There's three cars in front of you. You can't endure that. When hard things come, come on, you're going to have to learn how to endure. You're going to have to stand, having done all to stand. Christian, do you know who Jesus was, was the roughest with? Was the Pharisees. Christian, do you know pride will make you a Pharisee? You, you, you'll become a Pharisee and I, true story. I know these people, and you don't know them. 
he, they were, this got saved, man, they was called to the ministry, they fired up, and, and he went in and prayed for an hour. And he come out and his wife was bragging on him, you was in there an hour, an hour, you prayed for an hour. An hour, yeah, baby, I prayed an hour. And I'm like, dude, well, did you get anything? You just in there. His pride started swelling up. Oh, he became Mr. Judgmental. Well, I tell you what, if I was Billy Graham, I'd be, what? You ain't ever going to be Billy Graham. Well, you can't even put his shoes on. You can't even tie his shoes. And you're going to judge his ministry? Come on, you ain't never had but five people in your group. Come on, we can't, we're not called to be the correction for the body of Christ. We're not called to judge other ministries. Yeah, we learn, and you want to learn. I don't know if I'd do that, but you keep your mouth shut. Billy Graham got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people saved. Who are you to be judging him? And he just started, he had a list of five them, I'd do it this way. Well, that's why you ain't doing it, because you ain't doing it right. God can't trust you with it, because it's all about you. Is all you is it ever is your life all about you, or do you even consider what God would want you to do? You know, because we're in America, we grow up, we want the best job, best car, best wife, best husband, best house, and the best of everything. What does God want? You know, that that's our goal is to have the best job that we can have, and and and, and retire early or whatever. Well, what does God want? You ever ask? Bring Him into it. Let's start asking God. He's our source and our strength anyway. He's our help. Man, God hadn't called us to be that, that way. So number three is your relationship with God. The most important relationship that you'll ever have is your relationship with God. But that relationship with God, it pours out into other relationships. First John 4, 18 through 21 said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Man, God loved us first. If someone says, I love God, <clears throat> I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Ooh. For he do not he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have of him that he who loves God must love his brother also. If but here's where I'm going. If you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. If you haven't received the love of God, how are you going to love somebody with the love of God? You're still dealing with just so you know there's different types of love. In America, we love tacos, ice cream, love our dog, we love our wife, and we love God. And all of them are different. The Greek had, had different love, filio love, feeling, feeling. You know, man, I, I, I love you, Denise, that's awesome. You know, but, uh, but wait a minute, there's an agape kind of love or a Hasid type of love. 
Uh, loving kindness. God's loving kindness towards us. It's never failing. It doesn't shake. It doesn't move. It's God is the same. He loves us. Period. It's not based on a feeling. You wake up and, oh, you got, I'm sorry, Denise, today I don't feel like I like you at all. But God never woke up and said, I don't think I like you anymore. No, glory be to God. God is immovable. That was the message, you know, that she gave. He's that water hydrant. He's just pouring out his love on you and his grace and mercy on you. Just let it wash all over you. You see, that's the relationship that we have to rely on. I mean, I'm married. I I love my wife. My wife loves me. But God loves me more. And I love my kids, but God loves my kids more than I do. In Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this is how I can handle rejection because God loves me. And it's not that I'm bragging. He loves you just as much too. And if you learn to rely on the power of the love of God, that his love for you, I love you, but I don't care what you say. I love you, but you know what? I'm not going to let you in the wheelhouse right here that you're going to bring your into me. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. Pastor, I'm damning that, that. And I tell you, it was too hot in that service that Sunday. And the lights of your bald head was shining, and those lights are too bright. <laughs> I love you, but I ain't letting that in here. I got to serve God. I got to love God. And you know what? The lights are too bright. Music's too loud sometimes. It's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. But we're not the keepers of the aquarium. We're the fishers of men. Receive something that today and go and change your relationships and learn to build a relationship with somebody that's hurting and dying and pull them up out of the muck and the mire and tell them Jesus loves them and you do too. Doesn't mean you take them the raise, but you tell them the truth in love and you present the love of God to them. That's what relationships are about. It's what we're called to. We're called to this. And so Romans 12, 2 says, be not... Well, let me, let me back up. Let me just reemphasize that if, if you say you love God, then love God. But you got to love people too. And again, you're not a Pharisee. You're not called to, to beat people up. Man, that's, that's the dark ages uh, that, you know, if, if you don't go to the priest and do this and this and this, and you're not, you can't earn your salvation, it's free. God loves you and Jesus died for you. For God so loved the world. And don't be drinking of grace. Yeah, I got it. But you don't. You got to do this and this before you can have some of this. God didn't do that to you. No, somebody may have told you that. But that's not what God's word says. We got to live by God's word. Amen. Doesn't matter, you know, who had hair lips, the Pope or anybody. Jesus is Lord and his word is the truth. And so what am I saying by that is that everybody, my grandma had an opinion and it wasn't godly. I found out what the word says. That was somebody told her that. Too many people say, well, my pastor said, go look at what the word says. 
If, that's why I read a whole bunch of scriptures every Sunday, because you need to know what the Word says to know how to live. Because everything's dysfunctional, and it's getting worse. People are living life upside down. They're not even living with their feet on the ground anymore. It's just crazy. And relationship, 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 it starts with God and your, your relationship with God. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who you hang out with is who you become. You hang out with God, your mind be transformed. Look at your kids. They walk like you. They talk like you because they follow you. If you don't respect people, they won't respect people. If you don't love people, they won't love people. If you're not kind, they won't be kind. Who you hang out with. I had a boss one time that was sarcastic. It was funny. But man, I became sarcastic. It was funny too. You got to be careful with sarcasm. God loves us and who we hang out with. We hang out with him, we become like him. You want your marriage to be better? Hang out with God more. Do you want your kids to be better? Hang out with God more. No, you got to say, hey, we don't do that. Look at Pop, we're not living like that. Look at, look at your mom, look at your dad, look at me. Or when you do mess up in front of your kids, you go to them and say, listen, I was wrong. And I'm repenting to you because I messed up. I was mad when I said that to you because, you know, probably deserved it. But I was wrong in the way I said it. And I wouldn't say that. I couldn't say that. But your kids will make you angry. I know your kids don't. My kids did some stupid stuff. But I never did growing up. I didn't get on that bull. I did pull it up to the post, though, but. Come on, y'all. Everybody does. You know, it's so amazing as a parent. You know, we lived here, but we got this for our kids. And if they don't meet that, we're like. And we just barely got, we just barely made it through life, you know. We barely made it through our teenage years. Come on. There's grace and mercy even for your children. And God loves them as much as he loves you. Mm. If you don't make God priority and number one in your life, you'll start looking for somebody else. I wrote this down right before service. You're looking for somebody else to meet your needs. They can't. My wife is not a good savior. I am not a good savior. I am not a savior at all. But God sent Jesus to be my savior. And I rely on him. And he makes me better. He makes me better. And God will make you better. Let me say one more thing. How you deal with rejection. Come on. It, your relationship with God helps you deal with rejection, hurt, pain, whatever's happened. Because he's our source. Okay, you got a good job, don't have a good job, looking for a job, need a job. It's not about jobs, it's about God's our source. Your wife, your husband. You know, we all face rejection. 
And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm one of them, you know, I want people to be happy. I want people to be pleased. Not so much with me. I just want to take care of them. That's my heart as a servant. And when people reject, man, it hurts. But I always have to remind myself, I'm not doing this for myself or my gratitude. I'm doing this for the kingdom of God. Somebody asked me, you know, man, you get stabbed in the back all the time. How do you deal with that? Because you know what? I'm doing it for God, not for them. I gave somebody money. They went and got drunk. That was supposed to have been food for their kids. So now I'm going to buy food if I do anything. But I can't hold that. Those kids are still hungry. God died. Jesus died for those kids and for that person that went and got drunk. You see, but we have so much judgment. We want to put judgment on these things. No. We got to love God. We got to love people. Amen. The bottom line is we're called to love God and we're called to be kind, be merciful. And, and you know what? It's every day. It's not like, oh, this Saturday I'm going to be kind to them. But the rest of the week, they can forget it. It's our life. Here's where we're going with this. God's called us to be the body of Christ. And God's called us to unity. Now, I talked about that guy judging this ministry, that ministry. And you may be judging people in this room, but it's time to quit. It's time to come in unity. If I've made out a list of all the doctrines that we believe, you would have a different opinion. Everybody in here would have a different opinion. It don't matter. Jesus is Lord. And let's rally around Jesus. And let's believe him for the best. And let's believe for miracles, signs, and wonders. Let's, believe for, let's get in agreement with Miss Shirley that the glory of God shows up. That the goodness of God shows up and people's lives get changed. They get healed or whatever they need. That's where we're going. That's why we need relationships. We need one another. We need everybody to do what God has called us to do. It's not about me. If it was about me, nobody would be giving words. And you wouldn't know me. It's about the kingdom. And we're building the kingdom of God and we need relationships. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you that you stir in our heart today, Lord God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Thank you for imparting into people and ministering to people. Thank you, Father, that you've called people to be saved today. If you're here today, the beginning of this sermon was just for you. During the worship, God was calling you out to give, give your heart to Jesus. There's nothing to be ashamed about if you don't know Jesus, hasn't been living for him. We've all been there. But if you're here today and you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've been, uh, just haven't been living for him, would you just lift your hand and let me pray over you? Is that you? Just lift your hand and say, I need Jesus more in my life. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anyone else? God loves you. Those words were for you. Anyone else? Just lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I see that hand. Let's pray. Let's pray this together. Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes me, makes me white as snow. So forgive me in the blood. Cleanse me. I want a new start, Lord. I want to start over with you. Thank you for taking me back today. I believe in you. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.